0: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to Scoop Beat Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoopy Radio, DJ Manio. I would just Manio. like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to ScoopyRadio.com/slash Poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's ScoopyRadio.com/slash Poll. S-C O O P, the letter B, R A D I O dot com, slash P O L L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that, the link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoop B Radio with Brendan Robinson. E-K Manny Manny, L. Scoop B Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo, the best in the business. That's word scoop. You need to tune in to read the word from Scoop. Business, he show you the proof. If Scoop D say it, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment, he gave you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews, he gave you the fix on iTunes, the number one podcast, the Joint and the journalists, the GOATs so of why ask? Watch out, watch yeah. out about it. If he naming them, Scoop do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he saying this gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoop Radio. You're listening to Scoop Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scooby. him. At Scoop Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoop Radio. Oh Scoop Radio. In your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, at the crib, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at ScoopB. Instagram, and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure most importantly that you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast. Three million streams annually and it's no supplies because we bring new makers every time we talk on the Scoopy Radio Podcast. No difference here is on the line right now in his car. It's the one, the only cuffs of the legend on the podcast. Welcome to Scoopy Radio. Man, Radio. happy to finally be here, man. Happy to finally be here. Well say you could have been anywhere in the world. <laughs> but you're here with us, I appreciate that. Man, it's it's a it's um pretty cool uh to have you on. It first and foremost, um you are a man of um that is people obviously associate you with LeBron James, but there's so much more to you. Uh before we start talking about LeBron, I'm curious to know. Um what is your background in basketball. Or oh, my background, man, I was a pretty I was a pretty good high school player in North Carolina, in the eastern part of North Carolina. Uh I averaged like twenty nine, thirty points a game my junior, and senior year. Um I was I was starting to get recruited by some schools. And to be honest with you, I I said this on previous uh shows I've been on. I didn't really I didn't really take it serious, Scoop. Like I didn't really take my basketball, like my academic, I didn't take the school work serious. I really wasn't focused and um I, I used that I used that failure, if you want to call it, I used that situation I went through when I was 18, man, where I should have went to college and played D1 basketball. Um I just took that I just took that that heartache cuz it really hurt me not going to college. It didn't hurt me at the time. But when B- I got Radio. a little older, I was like, "Damn, man, a lot of people are like, "Man, you, you know, you should have played college ball," but um you know, I I had a vision when I was younger. I said, "You know what, man, I made a lot of mistakes. I messed up. But um, I'm gonna I'm get back to my community. Like I'm gonna put my city on, I'm gonna put my state on, and I'm gonna I'm really get hands on and, and, and try my best to teach these kids some of the lessons and some of the uh, I feel like some of the knowledge that I have as a player, and I can bring that back to the youth, you know, the youth basketball world. And um, and that's what I'm doing right now in my in my local city and my state, man. I got my own gym now, and um, I got some great partners that I'm doing business with, man, and we just putting it all together for our city. So, uh, you, you mentioned the gym. You look at your IT stories. You work with kids. You're in the community. Tell me about that gym. Tell me about what you actually do in the community. Scoop B Radio. Yeah, man. I'm very hands on. I'm very hands on with my player development program. And I got an AAU program uh, in my home city, in my home area. And I'm just very hands on, man. Like the kids know they can reach out to me anytime. Their parents know I'm a very straightforward guy. So I let the kids know, you know, it's a lot of hard work. And I ask kids straight up when they come to my lab, like, I want to know your goals and do your and does the work that you want to put in and the time you're going to invest in your grind, does that align with your goals? And and you will see early if a kid is really committed. And I've had several kids go Division I, girls, girls, women's basketball players, you know, men, you know, college players, man. And it's just beautiful to watch, man. I love giving back. North Carolina um, has, has definitely created uh, a lot of uh, integral people uh, within the basketball community uh, besides yourself. You think of Chris Paul. Um, when did you first see Chris Paul play basketball? Uh, I saw Chris Paul play basketball in high school. I mean, he was a very decorated basketball player in North Carolina, so he was like the LeBron James of North Carolina. I mean, he was a very highly talented player. I mean, a, a six-foot point guard that turned out to be a McDonald's All-American, and it's just very rare, you know. So Chris Paul, he took North Carolina by storm, man. And and um, I first saw him play in person at Wake Forest, because I'm a big Duke fan. So um, I went to a Wake Forest and Duke game, and I saw Chris. And I I knew when I first saw him in person that he was going to be a Hall of Fame point guard because he, he was so tenacious, and you, you don't really see that tenacity anymore with point guard since the John Stockton era. So I just knew he had a special skill set, and he was going to be great. Who does Chris Paul remind you of that plays that's younger than him in man? That's younger than him in the league now? Yes. Yeah. Uh, who reminds me of Chris Paul? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, of the young point guard, who reminds me of Chris Paul right Scoop now? B Radio. Uh, man, I would say... It's kind of tough because a lot, a lot of the a lot of the point guards right now are, are shoot first. Mm-hmm. You know, They're scores like the Jane Willis, and Steph Curry, even the John Morant. So like those guys are more score first. I mean, are shoot first point guards. Uh, I would say the one guy I could probably put you in mind of a Chris Paul. Is a I mean, he's not. Oh, I would say Trey Young, but Trey Young has a little more range than Chris. But uh, I would say Trey Young. That's real. Do you like Chris Paul and Phoenix? Better than you like Chris Paul in Oklahoma City. Man, Chris did a phenomenal job at OKC. Like, nobody saw it coming. Everybody picked those guys to be at the bottom of the West last year. Mm-hmm. And they ended up being, like, I think the fifth seed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they went on to really uh, to really surprise the whole entire basketball world. But uh, I really think uh, – I don't know, man. It's, it's tough. Um, I think Phoenix, man, I think Phoenix has a better situation because Devin Booker is one of the – is one of the most prolific scores I've seen coming to the NBA in a long time. So I think it's a very appealing situation. And Monty Williams is one of the best coaches in the world. And DeAndre Aiden, I can see him being a perennial all-star in the next two to three years. So he got a lot of young pieces. Cam Johnson from right here at UNC. I, I always like Cam Johnson. I feel like he could be like a Shane Battier type in his career if he keeps grinding. I like Phoenix. though. I like Chris Paul in Phoenix. Why... Are you so villainized on social media? I don't know. I, I I try to figure it out. I try to figure that out, Scoop. Like I, I tweeted it. Um, I think last night or yesterday. I was Scooby like, Radio. Why is the media, uh, the media and, and people in general, like why are they so fascinated with me? Like why are why are the media or fans obsessed with me as a, a Twitter follower? I'm you know I'm some dude. I'm 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 an average fan. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a funny question. Like I, I like I say, it's a daily question in my own head. Like I, I guess I'm organic in my thoughts and, and the way I deliver my uh, my methods, But I mean, I'm gonna always be me. There's a reason why people villainize you, and I, and I, and, you and I talked about it briefly. Um, so I, I, I paint the picture. Um, over the last week or so, two weeks, I've been watching a lot of old episodes of Scandal on Hulu. There was the scene in Scandal uh, where Olivia Pope's dad said he gets a lot of respect or he has uh, people's ear or people just receive him as such because they know the connection that he has to his daughter on scandal. And so when you look at the landscape of you, you have predicted a lot of things correctly as it relates to Lakers movement. Do you think that because you are connected to LeBron and whatever which capacity you are, the combination of who he is, the combination of Lakers fandom and more plays a role as to why people are attracted or dislike you. Scoot See the thing Radio. about the thing about that is, it's, like, it was happening before LeBron was a Laker. It was happening in Miami. It was happening in the original Cleveland Cavs stint, and then the second Cleveland Cavs stint. Like I've been, I've been seeing the trolls on Twitter, and I became like this polarizing. Uh, figure, I guess, if you want to say it. That all happened, like I mean, at the early 2009 when when uh, Twitter first started. I mean, I was dealing with it back when everybody had like 25 followers. Like I was dealing with people coming at me. So it, it's a, it's a weird energy that people have against me sometimes. But I get more love than I get hate, man. So you know we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it rocking, man. I'm not changing. It. Custom Legend on Scoopy Radio, Radio talking all things basketball, branding, and just personalities. How did you first meet LeBron? Man, it's a long, it's a crazy story. Um, like, I, uh, it's like mutual friends. We had some mutual friends. I met some guys, and uh, <laughs> met some other people, man, and, and it just, it wasn't even, it wasn't no networking or anything. It was just straight up. You, yeah, I think you a real dude, man. You are funny. You know, you very knowledgeable. And certain guys in the crew just started really reaching out to me, and and then next thing you know, it's like I met LeBron himself. And it's been a good friendship with the whole crew, not even just Bron, man. Like Mav, you know, Randy, like Rich, like like spe- especially like Randy and Mav. Like, I can reach out to those guys anytime, man, if I got any question about something. Or if I want to pick their brain or, or even just something random, you know, funny stuff, man. Like those are some great guys to know, man, because they've seen a lot in this life. Not just in this business world, but they've seen a lot in life. So um, they're some great friends, man. Some good guys, and I'm, I'm looking forward to you know continuing to grow. So you, I remember you tweeted something or you posted something on Instagram. You've been throwing me a lot of lives over the last year or two in relation to your stuff you say, and then I write it. But one of the things, um, you know, you, I think you may have hinted. I, I think it was something about Mello and that whole thing and him potentially joining the Lakers. But I remember I didn't really know your role, and I called you his trainer, and you laughed when people ask you what their role is is it just friend is it trainer like well, not to be cheating corny like is there actually any training or is it more just being a friend oh, I mean I'm, I'm just a friend like I'm a friend man like we, we that's, that's my dude man we homies like I'm not his trainer like shout out to Chris you know certain guys um, you know that's working with Braun but uh yeah I'm not like in a work capacity but um I got something Braun right now you know I got I got something cooking in the in the hibachi pan right now, man. So let's stay tuned, dude. Scoop. when you make predictions about things going on and you say stuff and then the, the blogs pick it up, are you being a fan? Do you know something? Or are you doing just to cap to get a reaction out of people? Scoop B radio. I mean, sometimes I really have inside information, like I really know what's going on and I'm getting some some stuff that's coming my way. And then sometimes I'm being a fan. I'm just being some dude, you know, an average fan I here, with my own personal perspectives on the NBA and possible trade rumors. But um, it's a beautiful marriage, you know, like being an insider, if you want to call me that, quote-unquote, uh, insider. But um, it's cool, man, having access to certain players and coaches and uh, access to all kind of people in the basketball space. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of information comes my way. My way. Like I'm not some TMZ guy. I don't run around asking like, yo, man, what you guys think? Like it always comes to me. Like ninety-nine point nine of, uh, I mean ninety nine point nine percent of the stuff that I tweet about from an insider standpoint, like it's just straight it's just funneled right through me, man. That's real. It's what real. what did you think of the makers in the bubble um from a playing standpoint? Do you think that the guys actually getting time off right when COVID hit to now actually made them better? Or do you, do you, like, what were your thought process of seeing them play before the bubble and then the match for the bubble? Uh, before the bubble? And I think guys was really stressed out because they had no idea what was about to happen with the bubble. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of guys being real apprehensive, like, man, I don't know how this shit is going to go. But then, you know, out after the bubble, I think a lot of guys, like, maybe took their off season not as serious because there was so much uncertainty if you if you were going to play or not. So, I could see guys losing their motivation and saying, you know, I ain't going to grind five days a week. I might grind three or four days a week. But, um it's, you know, a lot of guys came back out of shape. You know, James Harden came back looking like, you know, Larry Holmes. But other than that, bro, like, you know, other than that, I mean, I think it's going to be great basketball. We've seen some great basketball early in the season, man. Like, my league has my lead passes jump jumping, scoop every night. You talked about James Harden. I'm, I'm I'm glad you organically segued. I think if this training thing doesn't work out, maybe writing or TV, you're throwing segues, it might be in your future. Um, you mad. I bring radio. that up because um, you and Kevin Durant were kind of on Instagram. I know he's working and you got to switch <laughs> out. But your thought process of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden on the same team? Man, I, I just feel like it's – I mean, I want to see it work. Like, I want to see those guys flourish. Like, I want to see those guys play well. I want to see those guys get to the finals and play for the ultimate prize. Like, I want to see the best teams play each other. And that's the key word, team. And I just don't think those guys in Brooklyn are a team. That's a that's an AAU team that you put together on the weekend and say, go out there and win us the AAU National Championship. I know you guys don't know each other, but he's from over there. He's from over there and then he dribbles a lot, and then he dribbles a lot, and he want to take all the shots. But, yo, let's meet up and let's play basketball. It doesn't work that way, as you and I both know. And I feel like the Lakers are a basketball team. They have all the components, all the congruent pieces, and I just think that they are a better basketball team. So uh, I just think the Brooklyn Nets are going to have some slight struggles. I think their talent will get them past certain teams, but I think it's going to come down to Boston, Philly, and Brooklyn, it's gonna be the usual suspect this year. You don't have Milwaukee in that in that uh, conglomerate. Nah, and I don't, don't trust. Ni- there, I don't. I don't, it, I, I don't trust Milwaukee, man. The Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis. You no, know, no disrespect to Giannis. I mean, he's a talented player. But the Milwaukee Bucks, they are a light-skinned stripper in the strip club with the thot that. Like you can't trust this dude. So. You, you know, we gotta just go ahead and just take the Milwaukee Bucks and just put them on the, you know, they're on that second tier. You know, they're not that first tier. Like the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat are actually in the first tier, even though they're just struggling to start of the season. But um, I would never take the Milwaukee Bucks, man, because Giannis. I mean, those those euro steps are not working. You can't euro step from half court, bro. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work in the playoffs. So you know, I I, I like Chris Middleton. I like Drew Holiday. I wanted him to be a Lakers. You know, but uh, it didn't work out. Rob, you know, Rob didn't see my tweets in time. But um, you know, I'm I'm happy I'm happy with the East, man. I want to see Kevin Durant make it to the finals, man. That's my guy, man. KD, he know, he, he know what it is. Man. Why do people give Kyrie Irving such a hard time? Uh, I think people give Kyrie Irving such a hard time because he's so fucking talented, man. When somebody, it's like the Chris Brown thing. Like you know how talented Chris Brown is, and. And you remember when he went through his crackhead phase right before our eyes? Mm-hmm. And it was like, damn man, stop doing drugs, man. Make the music and give the people what they want. Show us your talent. And with Kyrie Irving, I think we would, we just as fans, we just want to see his talent. Like stop all the Just Play basketball. What would make people stop criticizing Would it be winning? Would winning a championship silence everybody. Honestly, I think Kyrie Irving's legacy is already cemented. Like, I don't think he has anything to prove anymore. there's no pressure Scooby on Kyrie Irving. B there's, no there's no pressure on him. Like, he left LeBron. Like, he left a great situation. So that already showed us that he doesn't want to win championships. It's not about winning. So if, if he showed us that. Like, we didn't have to go figure that out. Like, Kyrie showed the whole basketball world that he's about, you know, maybe, you know, Investing in Sage or, you know, starting at Hemp Farm. I don't know, man. I don't know if he loves basketball. Uh, so I don't know if he loves the game. That situation in Cleveland um, with he and LeBron and, and, and Kevin Levin winning that championship with Ty Lue in 2016, from your perspective, well, let me first say this. When I watched the two of them, they remind me of the new version or this generation's version or a more buttoned-up version of Shaq and Kobe? Do you see the comparison? Uh, Shaq and Kobe compared to who? Kyrie and LeBron. Kyrie and LeBron, uh, man. Kyrie and LeBron definitely could have been on some Shaq and Kobe dominant. I, I could have seen them going to seven or eight finals in a row. Um, they had great chemistry together. The style of play really mesh. Kyrie could play off the ball and allow LeBron to facilitate and be more you know, ball dominant. And then LeBron can put up, play off the ball and go in the post. Um, it was a beautiful marriage, basketball-wise. It was a beautiful combination to watch. And I wish we could have saw it for another 10 years, man. Um, but unfortunately, it, it didn't pan out, man. So as basketball fans, you know we left with the, the circus. That's Kyrie Irving. When you look at Anthony Davis and LeBron James, um, to me you've never really seen a big man uh like A D uh, with, with basically that's a human Swiss Army knife. Uh you've seen you've seen excuse me, you've seen LeBron play with guards or perimeter guys. Uh you've seen it with Kyrie. you've seen it with Dwayne Wade. You did see Chris Bosch, but Chris Bosch was utilized differently in Miami. Um, when you look at Anthony Davis and LeBron, do you think last season was the was the? Do you think that they could play at a higher level um, than they did last season? Because last season was special. Man, last season was special, and I think those guys are still figuring it out. But they're still figuring out their pick and roll chemistry, just uh, their actual overall basketball, you know, synergy on the court. So I think in the next couple of years, you know, down the home stretch for LeBron, I think it's going to be magical to watch because he could play through both of those guys. Both of those guys didn't run the offense, you know, with their passing ability. So uh, I think it's going to be a phenomenal watch, man. I asked Magic Johnson this uh, when I sat down with him last year, um, just about playing styles. Um, you, you look at Magic, a 6'9 point guard, or six, some people say 6'9", some people say 6'10". You look at LeBron, at 6'8", pretty trained. LeBron is a more muscular version of Magic, if you ask me, a more athletic version of, of Magic. Uh, But when I asked Magic specifically if LeBron now plays the role of of facilitator in LA, uh, and I asked him if he played it in the same way or if he reminds him of Magic during the Showtime era of the Lakers, he said yes. Uh, And he said that, you know, he's gone through stretches in Miami as a scorer. He went through stretches in, you know, Cleveland early on, where J.R. Brummer was the, the two guard and LeBron was the starting point. From your perspective, when you look at LeBron, does he remind you more of Magic or does he remind you more of Penny or Scottie Pippen in L.A.? Man, le- LeBron James is the the first and only LeBron James. And uh, I'm, I, the reason I say that is a lot of people look at the Magic Johnson thing and say, well, they're the same height, they're the same dimension, 6'9", court, they can see both, you know, le- they can see the, the entire floor. But the thing that separates LeBron from any player that you compare him with, any small forward, Grant Hill, any of those guys, Penny Hardaway, man, like we've never seen a guy with that. I think his IQ is even higher than Magic Johnson, hmm. and and his, I mean, his actual change of direction. Magic Johnson had stiff hips; his change of direction wasn't really that great. If you go back and watch Magic Johnson highlight a lot of his. Um, game was more downhill. Downhill, like he didn't change direction a lot. And for LeBron to be able to change direction at 6'9, 280, we've never seen somebody that's basically like uh, a Rottweiler mixed with a gazelle. Like we never seen somebody, or we never seen somebody with those. It's like Wolverine. I, could, I, I tell people all the time if you want to compare Marvel characters, LeBron is Wolverine and the Incredible Hulk. Wow. That's a, like, he's, a, he's agile, he's powerful, and he's more than a downhill player now. Like, he's, he's really improved his uh, his free ball over the last couple of years, and I feel like he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. Uh, I think people are not going to appreciate that until we look after his playing career is over. Um, LeBron is a real efficient three-point shooter, and especially when he hits a couple shots early in the game and gets rolling, that's what I feel like makes him the most unstoppable player ever. Because if he makes two or three jump shots in the first quarter, he's unstoppable. Can the Clippers compete with the Lakers in the uh, in the home stretch? I would say yes. Yeah, we talking about talent. if We talking about this pure basketball skill set. But I would say a big fat no, because those guys have no heart. They have zero heart. They have they have nothing. They have, they're a 10-man in the Wizard of Oz. They're a 10-man, the whole, the whole squad. The only the only guy on that team that I say has heart that I love to see on my team, I'll take Marcus Morris. You know, that guy's a dog. You know, any guy that goes out there and plays basketball and phone positive, he's got to be a dog. So, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Marcus Morris, you know, shout-out to Marcus Morris, man. But, uh, yeah, the rest of those guys, you know, Paul George, you know, you know, you got unfinished business, bro. I thought you had unfinished business in OKC. What happened, my boy? But, you know, it, you know. I don't know, man. Those guys suspect. You know Pat Baird? I mean, he a tough guy from Chicago, but, I mean, I can't take Pat bad serious, man. Like, he tries to make the people think he's Gary Payton. But he, he's not Gary Payton. He's not Gary Payton, bro. When you talk about phones, um, it's something about those guys from Philly. Uh, because Rasheed Wallace was different wearing Air Force Ones on the court. Those are very uncomfortable to wear playing basketball, but they're comfortable to wear going to the court. Wearable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scoopy Scooby lady on the line with Tucker Legends. You, um, you, you spoke about a lot of the guys that are more established. That. And I'm curious to know, particularly because you're in North Carolina and you have a front row seat, uh, both culture wise and while you're sitting at home. Uh, watching Leafs pass. I, I'm curious to know your early impressions of the Charlotte Hornets' point guard with Melo Ball. Oh, man. The Melo Ball is pay-per-view, man. Scoop B and I, I'm just waiting for the Charlotte Hornets to figure out they got a franchise player on their hands, and they go ahead and put their kid in the starting lineup. Because I'll, I'll keep it real with you, Scoop. Like I lived in North Carolina my entire life, and there's only been... One basketball player in the history of the Charlotte Hornets franchise where I said I would pay money to go see them play, and that was that was Larry Johnson. That was when Grandma and Mom came from UNLV to Charlotte, and I I wanted a Larry Johnson poster, I wanted a Larry Johnson jersey, I wanted a Larry Johnson haircut, I wanted the part down the middle, I wanted I was Larry Johnson everything. So the the, the last guy that made me feel like well, you know what man I, I you know I might get a, a couple tickets and go down to Charlotte and watch the game. Look, ball is that guy. Hmm. Special. Who does he remind you of? Man, he reminds me of... Damn, it's going to be funny to say, but he just reminds me of a better version of his own brother. Hmm. But he's a more polished... He's a more offensively skilled version of his brother. They have the same toolbox. They can both see the court. They both great passes. Great rebounders for their size, for a guard on the wing. But, man, that Lamello, man, he can shoot that ball, and he got a real good finishing package. Like, he can really score around the rim. He got a, he got a lot of good IQ, man. So, I, I say he's a better version of his own brother. Cause, tell me something. You mentioned Larry Johnson, and as, as you were talking about him, I got flashbacks to playing NBA Jam where, the, where the, the graphics of how those guys looked were horrible. Larry Johnson and, and Alonzo Morton didn't look like each other but you talking about Larry Johnson started it kind of had me thinking specifically because um, I've heard people say that uh, Zion Williamson uh, is a cross between Anthony Bennett, I've heard Larry Johnson, I've heard Charles Barkley, I've heard Clarence Weatherspoon. What say you? Man, he reminds me of a guy that played college basketball at the University of Wake Forest, right here in North Carolina, he reminds me of Rodney Rogers. Yes, yeah. he reminds me of a lot of Rodney Rogers. Scoop B Radio. I mean, Rodney Rogers was very explosive for a six-six power forward that was undersized, a cleaner. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, he reminds me. He reminds me of uh, Rodney Rogers and Larry Johnson. This is, this, this is that this exact player comparison. Those two guys. That's real. That's real few more questions. Um, You talked about um, just AAU um, and and just kids today. uh, And I noticed that sometimes on social media, you have me cracking up with just today's trainers. Why do you dislike today's basketball climate and grassroots basketball and AAU as it relates to trainers? Uh, I would say, man, because it's a a lot of gimmicks. It's a lot of gimmicks, man. It's a lot of trickery. It's a lot of uh, uh, disingenuous guys, out there, man, trying to hustle parents and trying to hustle kids. And as somebody like me that's very dedicated and passionate about basketball, I just don't like it, man. I, I feel like it's a circus. It's become a real circus on Instagram. I and mean, you got guys running around calling themselves NBA trainers. Like, you're not a trainer, man. Like, you're a rebounder. Like, you're a hired rebounder. Like, somebody pays you to spowns. Like Even NBA players, like they pay certain guys in the summertime to rebound for them. And then you get on Instagram and, you know, you want to wear a bunch of outfits and stuff and be cool and be one of the rappers and try to dress like you're a rapper and then say, yeah, I'm an NBA trainer. Like, nah, bro, you're a rebounder. If like you're not helping any of these guys get better, they're not getting better because of, of anything you are doing. You're just rebounding. So, like, a lot of guys just need to knock it off and it's some it's real ogs to the game, man. Like, Phil Handy is one of the One of, if not the greatest basketball minds in the world, man. That's a real player development coach. That's a real player development coach. Lloyd Pierce started out PD, player development. You know what I'm saying? Those are the real guys out here helping players get to the next level. Rico Hines, those guys, man, that's the real guys in the basketball community, man. I'm telling you, like, pay attention. Like, the real basketball heads know who these names are, but people who, like, you know, are kind of oblivious to the basketball skills. Development, player development, uh, world, pay attention to guys like Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Yeah. You know, God, God, Sham God. Like, that's the OGs, man. So, these are the people we need to give out, give their flowers, man. Give give those guys their flowers. I agree with you on that. I think when you look at Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, you look at God, Sham God, and you look at Rod Strickland, I feel like for basketball, Rock, yeah, Rod Strickland too as well. I, I didn't want to leave him out. Nah, you can't. That's the OGs. I, I feel like certain guys, are now getting the respect on social media and from younger, and they're getting recognized from young guys. Like, I remember Rod told me that Trey Young reached out to him during his draft process because he wanted to just learn from him. Like, I feel like these are guys that were legends and, and talked about before Slam Magazine that are now getting their flowers later in life. Scoop B Radio. It's crazy, man. Like, I talked to Dennis Smith Jr. yesterday. And I said, man, I got to get linked up with Mahmoud Man because I, I know you train with him. It's Dennis Smith. He hit me up about something totally different, and I brought it up to him. I said, yo, bro, I got to get a conversation with Mahmoud abdul Raul. That was my childhood idol, man, when he was at LSU, and uh, to see that guy get blackballed back in the '90s, and now you would think people would come out and say, you know, the NBA should issue that man an apology and say, you know what, twenty you know, twenty years or whatever, we were wrong. Like, we were wrong with how we blackballed you. We were wrong, how we, we denied you situations and we denied you opportunity. Now, you should be on some type of committee or some type of player committee. That guy needs to be in the basketball world. Like, not just some guy that's, you know, training. He needs to be employed by the NBA, man. He a legend. Cus, I got a question. What's up? And I want to be fair and I don't want you mad, but I got to ask it. People on Twitter gave you hell last January with all the Kobe stuff. Oh, yeah. If I may ask, was it taken out of context? And if you could, would you take back what you said? Man, the whole crazy thing about that, I'm glad you actually asked me this, because it's one of those things, man, like I don't know if I was drunk or I was just wilding out one night, you know, way back in the day, and I tweeted some stuff. The whole crazy part about it is when it became like a thing for a couple of days or a week. I totally the reason why I know I might have been out of my mind, like as far as you know, be, you know, intoxicated or something when I when I did it, because when I when I saw the tweet, I was like, I don't remember that. Like you know how you see an old tweet of yours when somebody retweet or they show a you know a favorite of the year, like oh these are oh, my how yeah. When I saw that shit, man, I was like, is this Photoshop? Like I I, I had to really sit there for for, for a lot of minutes to say, you know, they don't even sound, I'm like, I know I say crazy stuff sometimes, but like, they don't even sound like me. So the part that's so crazy about social media, man, that showed you how many people really hate me. Like the part, like people who want to, don't want to see me win, but they really my fans though, to be honest with you, because yeah. they follow my every, they follow my every word. So they really my fans. So those people wanted to see me do bad in some type of way. And have some type of blemish on my, you know, my credibility or whatever. So I feel like they tried to use that situation. But um, like I said, if I could take it back, of course I would, man. Like you know, I was probably, you know, like I said, out of my mind that night and said some shit I didn't mean. Like that's you know, and the part I want to say right now, now that we're clearing the air on it, in the following years after that, if you go back and read my tweets in the following years, I mean, leading up to Kobe's untimely death, man, I, I wanted to give Kobe his flowers and I did give Kobe his flowers. Like I was saying. Um, I mean, I I was I was relating to his basketball player development, man. I saw him with his daughter, and at the same time, I had daughters that was playing basketball. So I really started to um really respect Kobe and, and admire his work as a dad and as a coach. You know, I really started to like Kobe's um, you know, his feedback that he was giving everybody. He was very open. You know, he was going to Oregon and different schools and speaking to different women's players and giving back to the game. And um, I started, to, I really started to uh, really admire Kobe, you know, right before he had passed away, man. So like I said, I, I do apologize, man. I know it's a lot of people that try to troll me, and they try to use that as I don't know, they try to use that as, uh, as ammo against me, I guess. But um, I, I mean, I let that stuff just roll off my back, man. But at the same time, I, I know it was, I know I couldn't say that stuff. So I do apologize. When you look at the last dance, and you actually saw many people saw how Michael and Kobe had their own relationship, and it's kind of free social media, but in, 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 in its own way, it seemed like Michael was passing the baton to Kobe. Comparatively, when LeBron broke Kobe's record uh, back in January of last year, they had that call the night before uh, the untimely death, but... Even when Kobe visiting Staples Center, it seemed as though there was a similar ceremonial baton passing, if you will. Do you see a correlation between those two examples? Between Kobe and who? Kobe and LeBron and Kobe and Michael. Oh, man. You can't compare in their out, out the court or their actual uh, player as players? I guess this, the, the fact of being the man of the league. So, again, when you look at the last dance, you saw kind of all-star games or even just Michael passing on knowledge and wisdom, kind of that baton pass. And you oh, okay. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you see that? Do you feel like Kobe did the same for LeBron? Uh, Kobe Bryant, anything with Kobe Bryant's name in it is a very sensitive topic. You know, since he's died and – uh, but I would say it wasn't really a passing of the torch, or if you want to say, it. I didn't really feel that between Kobe and LeBron. I feel like Kobe, Kobe was never really the clear cut best player in the NBA. So okay. it was he didn't he didn't have the same reign. He didn't have the same level of dominance where he was like considered the clear cut best player in the NBA for eight straight years. But like we never could say that because he only won one MVP award in you know in twenty seasons. So. Um, I don't think he really passed the torch to LeBron, so I, I'm anxious to see who LeBron's gonna pass the torch. We got so many young guys out there, you know, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, uh, Devin Booker. We got so many young guys. Uh, Giannis, you got we got, got a lot of guys. Anthony Davis may take the torch and be the next Olajuwon, and Tim Duncan. So um, it's inter- it's interesting to see. You talked about being the next Olajuwon. To me, when I look at footwork. Um, and just put a big man playing like a guard. I feel like a better comparison is Joel Embiid and Hakeem Olajuwon. What do you see that I um, Yeah, I mean, Embiid uh, uh, does have a lot of similarities to Olajuwon as far as his jab, his rip through, his triple threat game, his up fake, his spin move, his you know his little shimmy. But he, you know, he got a lot of those moves. I like, can tell he learned those core footwork elements from Elijah he and really studying games him. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he doesn't have the same jump hook. I would say Elijah had a deadly Man. jump hook, and people don't talk about that enough. They always talk about his mid-range baseline jump shot or his elbow jumper. Elijah um, Juan didn't really step out to the three-point line at all. He was always a mid-range guy. So I don't really think uh, uh, Embiid is. Embiid has really expanded his game now. He's, he's a stretch five, so um, it, it, they they are similar. Like you know, both of the comparisons have a lot of similarities. Is Anthony Davis the modern day Tim Duncan? Yeah, I, I think he's Tim Duncan with a Anthony Davis is Tim Duncan with a guard skill set, like it's a David Bridges footwork and Tim Duncan's body. And I th- and, and to me. He w there parts of his game that remind me of Kevin Garnett. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he got he got he got nice touch. K K G had a nice soft touch on his jump shot, his mid range. But um we we've never seen anything like Anthony Davis. Like he's a unicorn. Like I know they like to throw that word around with poor Zingis and certain guys, but Anthony Davis is a real unicorn in the NBA. From your perspective in NBA basketball, what is something that is being under-talked about that more people should be paying attention to or talking about? Uh, be, I mean, as uh, you mean like a storyline or actual player or organization? With player and storyline. A uh, better storyline we should be focusing on? Uh, we should be focusing on mental health, man. The NBA should really start tapping into mental health. And start checking into these guys and finding out, you know, if these guys are battling depression or having a hotline, a mental health hotline. I don't know if the NBA has a NBA anonymous um, hotline radio. for their players, but I think that'd be a really dope concept, man. That's real. What's next for you, man? I, I just I just plan on as being my real self, and my, you know, just being my organic self, as I, if it brought me this far, you know, in the basketball world. And I'm just I'm just very humble, man. Like, you'll never meet a guy more humble than me, man. Like, no matter what I accomplish, I'm I'm still going to eat noodles and noodles some night. You know what I'm saying? Because i am always been a hungry guy. So I'm always getting myself in, and I plan on really making a name for myself out here. If the NBA season goes into a bubble again, do you think that is to the Lakers' benefit because they played in one and won a championship? Or do you think there are some other teams um, that that has some advantages too. Yeah, I don't think nobody's going to beat LeBron in a bubble setting. Like he, he's too mentally focused, and a lot of teams are going to have that same leader with that same type of mental capacity. So I don't think nobody's going to ever beat LeBron James in an NBA bubble type situation. So he he's just too mentally tough. He's too much of a motivator. He's going to get guys motivated that kind of you know kind of losing their their fire. He's going to get those guys that motivated, and I think. He's the greatest player, and he's also the greatest leader. And I think that will always be um, the secret ingredient when it comes to um, winning a championship inside of a bubble. You heard it first. Cuff, thank you so much uh, for coming on Spooky Radio today. Here's the good news. You are officially off the hot seat. I'm off the hot seat? Oh, okay. I'm, I was on I was on the hot seat how? Questions that some people want to know. I mean, you definitely filled me in on your your connection to LeBron, your connection to grass, basketball, okay. ties into Chris Paul. You also clear the air about Kobe because those are questions. Like, I was nervous. I was like, yo, I hope he doesn't hang up the phone when I ask that. But, you know. Just <laughs> <this>. <laughs> oh, no. Nah. Oh, no. Nah. I never do. <laughs> no, nah, man. But, but all all joking aside and, and, and to be as serious as possible, um, you know, I think social media they know of you, um, and, I, and I think you gave folks a glimpse into a little bit more of you, your wit, what makes you tick, and you answered all my questions honestly, so I appreciate that. Hey, hey let's do it again sometime soon, Scoop. For sure. Brother, thank you for your right. time. Uh, thank you. And this is Scoopy Radio saying you bring the coffee, and I'll bring the Duncan. Come on. Hold up. What was that?